we're in the process of learning these gifts. Like I said, we've already covered four. And we're in the process of learning what the gifts are because the Bible really says there's three ways for you to discover your gifts. Actually, the Bible says there's one way. Uh, We say there's three ways, and I'll get to that in a second. Okay, so here we go. So here's what the Bible says about your gifts and how to discover them. Ready? It says you'll know them. You're like, what? How how am I going to know them? I haven't even heard of some of these things. Well, that's kind of the deal. So we we think that you are going to know them, but you're going to know them when they're described to you. So we're spending about a month talking about 16 different spiritual gifts. We're going to explain them to you. Uh, We'll define them. Uh, We'll give you examples of people that had them. And then we'll give you some signs that you might have them. And here's our belief. When we're done, you're going to know, oh, like, hey, I think I have that gift. Nope, I don't have that gift. That explains me. Nope, that's not me. And we hope that's going to help. Now, once we finish that, um, we want to encourage you to do the second step, which is you can take a spiritual gift uh, inventory or a spiritual gift test. Some people take it, although you can't fail this one. Uh, and, and, and you just take it. It helps you figure out which of these 16 things we've talked about, which of these do you have the most of or the least of, those kind of things. And that's going to help you identify primarily where the Holy Spirit has gifted you for use in the kingdom of God. Okay, and the last thing I want to encourage you to do is just get plugged in. You just start serving somewhere. And here's the cool thing. Uh, God is good, and he's always going to let you know if you pick the wrong place. So, so you know, I, I said last week, and I'm, I'm not going to say the person's name, but we had somebody saw a great need in our children's ministry, uh, jumped in, and they're helping out, and they're doing some administrative stuff. And, uh, man, they have served awesome all year. We've had great results in our kids' ministry. I mean, really lots of fruit. And they just said a couple months ago, you know what? Although I, I know that good things are happening, um, I really miss the teaching aspect. And, and, and what they found out is their, their spiritual gift of teaching is higher than their spiritual gift of administration. So we said, hey, if you can hang on for a couple more months, we'll have a whole summer to replace you. Okay? And we'll find somebody else to take over that administration. And that's the way it is. So God's going to show those things to you. And so that's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about these gifts. Um, you're going to be praying over these gifts. You're going to be asking God if you have them, and God's going to show them to you. So, so let's jump in kind of with both feet this morning. And again, uh, kind of the way we'll go about it, I'll define the gift. I'll give you a biblical example, and then I'll give you some signs. That's that's what somebody said to me after the service last week. They said it was kind of like Jeff Foxworthy. You might be a redneck if, okay? You might have the spiritual gift of blank if, and that's what we're going to do. So uh, let's get started this morning with the gift of wisdom, the spiritual gift of wisdom. Now, I encourage you, if you're in Bible drill, try to follow along in an open Bible. Uh, because we're doing so much, I've put everything on the screen this morning. I don't normally put every piece of scripture on the screen, but it's just, we, we've got a lot of ground to cover. So uh, the spiritual gift of wisdom, 1 Corinthians 12, 8 says this. It says, to one there's given through the spirit, the message of wisdom. To another, the message of knowledge by means of the same spirit. Now, now that word message in Greek, it literally means word. So this is, this, this, this is a, a spoken gift, right? Uh, this is a gift that, that, that we use words. It's a speaking gift. And then that word wisdom, it means knowledge or insight. But it's not talking about head knowledge. It's talking about applied knowledge. It's talking about knowledge in action. So it's kind of a, kind of a special word there in, in the Greek. And, and, and of course, it's all talking and has to do uh, with things of the kingdom of God. And so this is kind of how we would define this. I said in the early service, um, some of you guys, especially if you're big Mars Hill fans and you're big Mark Driscoll fans, some of this is going to sound familiar. Uh, we've borrowed some Driscoll and some Stanley and some everybody else that's written anything on spiritual gifts and kind of merged definitions together. Uh, this one's almost verbatim, uh, most of it, so uh, from, from Mars Hill. But here we go. So the spiritual gift of wisdom is the ability to have insight into people and situations. Okay, people and situations uh, that's not obvious to the average person. That's what makes it wisdom. Okay, 
you're, you're seeing things differently than, than most of us common folks, uh, combined with an understanding of what to do and how to do it. So not only are you assessing the situation, but you actually know what to do and how to do it. So, so, so you can see what's going on, and now you can actually help somebody do something about what's going on. The second uh, sentence there, it involves the ability to see a situation and skillfully apply biblical truth to it. Skillfully apply biblical truth to it. Now, of, of course, the, the primary example in all these gifts, remember, the only person to ever have all of them, his name is Jesus. You don't have all of them, but he did. So Jesus, just fill in the blank on every single one of those. He's at the top of the list. So Jesus definitely had this gift. Um, and, and you think about that. It says that, that even as a boy, he was filled with wisdom. The, the scripture says that he grew in, in wisdom. And it says that when he taught, people were always amazed by his wisdom. Like, oh my gosh, by what authority does this guy teach? And, and, and Jesus was just full of wisdom. Uh, another great biblical example would be Solomon, of course, right? And, and Solomon asked for wisdom. God grants it. My favorite story about the wisdom of Solomon is that there's two women uh, that, that evidently are, are living in, in the same house. Household or, or, or near each other at least, and, and one of the woman's uh, child dies at night, and so she goes and she steals uh, the, uh, her, her, her friend's child and, and, and takes that child to lie with her. And her friend wakes up and says, "Wait, this isn't my baby." And, and they basically go to court and they come before Solomon. What does Solomon say? In all of his wisdom, he says, "I know exactly what to do. Divide this child in two. Cut this baby in half." And and and, and of course, one lady says, "Okay, that's fine by me." But the real mother shrieks and says, no, she can have her. And Solomon says, see, the real mother would never allow her child to be cut in half. And, and Solomon was that way. He was a great, great man of wisdom. Uh, and, and then finally, I would say Daniel. Daniel's a great uh, man of wisdom. Remember, Nebuchadnezzar was not the greatest king ever. Uh, and he was a pretty harsh dude. And he had this dream, and it was upsetting the whole kingdom. And it was basically like, you're going to figure this out or else. And Daniel is the one that God grants wisdom to, to understand and interpret Nebuchadnezzar's dream. And so just a few examples there in the Bible of guys that have had this. Now, signs that you might have it. Here we go. This is my favorite part. Signs that you may have the gift of wisdom, okay? If, if you seem to discover meaning and, and understand things about God's word more easily than other people, then you might have the gift, gift of wisdom. If you open the Bible and it just seems to come natural to you, it just seems to make sense to you, and everybody else in your Sunday school class is kind of scratching their head going, wait, can you go over that one more second? You know, and you've got it, uh, then that, that might be a good sign that the spiritual, uh, you have the spiritual gift of wisdom, that the Holy Spirit's giving you that gift, okay? It's one way. Number two, um, if you have the ability to apply biblical truth in practical ways to help other people make good choices, then you might have the spiritual gift of wisdom. Remember, this isn't just knowledge. This is, this is a knowledge that, that finds ways to apply itself. Okay, and so the spiritual gift of wisdom is that person that can that can go to somebody and say, listen, I know that I know that this is where you are in life. Let me tell you what the Bible says. Here's what you should do. Okay, and and that's the spiritual gift of wisdom at work. Number three, uh, if it drives you crazy when people in your life and people that, you know, make poor life choices because you know what they should have done. Right. You might have the spiritual gift of wisdom. If you see people and they just are making bad choice after bad choice, they continue to choose option like F when God has option A right there for them. And you're like, oh my gosh, can't you see it? You might have the gift of wisdom. Like you may know and understand what they should be doing. Okay. And then finally, uh, if, if people come to you for advice when they have important decisions to make. People come to you for advice when they 
when they have important decisions to make. Now, and I'm not talking about your role, okay? I mentioned this in the first service. You know, Al and I, we're pastors, so people come to us a lot, especially with, with biblical questions, you know, or advice in that area. This isn't like, hey, if you're a librarian and people come ask you what book to read, that doesn't count, okay? That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about genuinely people come to you with situations in life, say, I'm not sure what to do, and that happens to you a lot. If that happens to you a lot, it might be that God has given you the spiritual gift of wisdom. Now, let me explain this about these gifts. I gave you four signs. If you have the spiritual gift of wisdom, you probably checked all four of those boxes. Okay? It's possible for us to have some characteristics of these signs, without, of these gifts, without actually having the gifts. Okay? And so if, if pretty much that completely describes you, then you probably have the spiritual gift of wisdom. All right? Let's look at number two, the second gift. Uh, prophecy. One of the most misunderstood gifts on the face of the planet. Prophecy, 1 Corinthians 12, 8 through 10, says, To one there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom. To another, the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing uh, by that one Spirit. And to another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, prophecy. Now, I want to explain to you that there's actually two types of prophecy. Maybe nobody's ever talked to you about that. But um, there's one uh, type of prophecy. It's called forth-telling, F-O-R-T-H-T-E-L-L-I-N-G. Forth-telling. Uh, and then there is the foretelling, F-O-R-E-T-E-L-L-I-N-G. Now, foretelling is telling of the future, telling of future events. That is what most people think prophecy is. They think, oh, yeah, prophecy, it, it's about, it's all that future stuff. Well, no, not, not actually. Uh, over, uh, over 92% of all the prophecy in the Bible is foretelling. It's God explaining what is happening or what has already happened. Over 92% of prophecy in all the Bible is forth-telling. In fact, the, the word prophecy literally means to speak forth. It doesn't mean to speak for, it means to speak forth. Prophecy, the majority of the time that we run into it, is, is, is uh, forth-telling. God is, is explaining what's already happened or what's happening. Now, that other 8%, let's break that down. 2% of that, that foretelling prophecy had to do with Jesus coming, the advent, the, the first one, okay, was messianic prophecy. 5% of it had to do with the new covenant that was established in, in Christ's blood, which leaves less than 1% of prophecy yet uh, unfulfilled that has to do with the end times. Okay? So if you're big into the end times and you study Revelation all the time and you're big into all kinds of prophecy, uh, just don't get off track. That's less than 1% of all the prophecy in the Bible. Okay? Let's take the whole thing in, in context. Let's make sure that we, we, we lift up the forth-telling stuff every bit as much, if not more. Okay, so 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 that's kind of where we go. So let's explain uh, or let's define what what this gift is. Prophecy defined. The spiritual gift of prophecy is the ability to see and to speak out. Okay, uh, you are not a person that can just see it. You have to speak forth prophecy. Speak forth. Okay, you have to speak out uh, against sin. Now let, let's let's pause there for a second. See, there's a lot of people that speak out about a lot of things. But if, if you go on and you turn on the television, there's somebody that says that they are a prophet of God, and you listen to their entire sermon and their whole message and their sermon series, and they never mention the word sin, they are not a prophet of God. Okay? Because the gift of prophecy speaks out against sin. And you're going to see that in a second. The gift of prophecy, a true prophet, is brokenhearted over the sinful condition of the world. And, and, and their primary objective in life is to identify that sin that, that, it, that it might uh, bring about conviction and restoration. Okay? So they, they speak out against sin by applying the word of God, uh, hoping 
praying to bring about conviction and ultimate restoration. And, and, and that's the end goal. That's the heart's cry of the prophet. Uh, some biblical examples, of course, Jesus. He's right there at the top of the list. Uh, this is exactly who Jesus is and what Jesus did. And he, he spoke forth the things of God. Um, he initiated, the, inaugurated the kingdom of heaven. Uh, Old Testament, hello, it's full. Remember, there's a whole section in the Bible, right? Prophets, right? We have the what prophets and the what prophets? The, the major and the minor, right? And, and the major because they were more important. No, no, they just wrote longer books. They were just long-winded. So really, it's the long-winded and the brief prophets is really what it is. But uh, the big books are called the major. The small ones are called the minor. It doesn't mean that the guys that wrote smaller books are less important. Uh, they're every bit as important. And so so Old Testament's full of prophets. And then uh, we get to the New Testament. Peter, man, Peter at the day of Pentecost is a prophet of God. And, 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 he, and he speaks forth truth. He, he tells the Jews, you killed Christ. You did it. Okay. And, and the Bible says they are cut to the heart. 3,000 are saved that day, okay? It's a great prophet of God. Uh, Paul's that way. Paul never pulls any punches. You know, Paul doesn't worry about so much about being politically correct or offending you. You know, he's just like, listen, I love you. Here's what's right. Here's what's wrong. God bless you. Turn the page, okay? That's Paul. He's a prophet. He's a prophet. So signs that you have this gift. Okay, here we go. Number one, okay, you have an increased ability to see what is wrong, in fact, you really struggle to see what's right. Okay, Now, this is not talking about cynicism. Uh, this is not talking about people that are just grumpy all the time or have a negative disposition. I, I mean, truly, uh, in, in life, you, you tend to see things that, that, that need correction. Okay, and, and it's really a struggle for you to see, see the, the good stuff. If that's you, you, you might have the gift of prophecy. Number two, uh, you're burdened by the sinful condition of the world around you. You're burdened by the sinful condition of the world around you. It amazes me. We live in a world today, again, that a lot of people claim to be prophets. And they, they preach these great, strong things about God. I saw one on YouTube the other day. And, and, uh, and, 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 and this guy, I'm, I'm telling you, he's a wackadoo. And, and he'll probably find us on the Internet some day. And we'll have protesters outside our church. Uh, he's one of those King James only uh, getting after it. And he's out, uh, outside of a Switchfoot concert, which I love Switchfoot, and I think they do great things for the kingdom. And, uh, and he's, he's talking about how all the whoremongers are going go to go to hell, and, and he just kept preaching. Anybody that smokes a cigarette, anybody that dances, I was like, oh, you would hate us. And, um, you know, and, and he's just going down this list of, of things, and, and, uh, and he spoke very loudly with a megaphone. He spoke very clearly, but I didn't, I didn't see a tear in his eye. I didn't see that his heart was broken over anything. You see, prophets, you know, Jeremiah wept for a reason. Because he loved the people and he hated what was hum coming. A, a prophet is somebody that sees the sin and, they, and, and they're broken because of what's going to happen to the people. That's the gift of prophecy. The other person's just loud. Okay? It's a big difference. Number three. You might be a prophet if when you speak about God, it brings about conviction in those that listen. That's what prophecy does. The gift of prophecy, it helps pierce the heart of the people that hear it. It brings about deep conviction that leads to repentance. That's kind of a big deal. And finally, uh, this is my favorite. If your initial response to any situation is correction, you might be a prophet. Okay? Let me give you an example. Your child climbs upon the counter to get a cup. They climb upon the counter. They fall down from upon the counter. They hurt themselves. Right? 
Now, the person with the gift of mercy, they run into the kitchen and they scoop up the child. Oh, my darling, are you okay? And they begin to apply kisses to everything that's hurt and broken. Right? It's a gift of mercy. Now, the administrator, they run into the kitchen and they say, hey, you, you go get me the first aid kit. You go get me some ice. You go get me. That's the administrator, right? That's what they do. The prophet runs into the kitchen and says, don't you know I told you not to climb up on the counter or else you'd fall down and hurt yourself? In the midst of the tears and all. You don't do that. You could really break something. I think I did. I told you so. (laughs) Gift of prophecy. Again, make sure you have all four of these, not just one characteristic. Let's move on. Third spiritual gift. Discernment. Discernment. 1 Corinthians 12.10 says... uh, there are other miraculous powers to another, the, the gift of prophecy to another distinguishing of spirits. We're just taking that same verse that we just looked at and we're just working our way down it a little further. Uh, and, and that's exactly, discernment actually literally means distinguishing uh, between spirits. That's, that's the best Greek literal uh, translation you can get, distinguishing uh, between uh, uh, spirits. And so I want to just straightforward definition for you. The spiritual gift of discernment is the ability to quickly perceive, uh, that's the Ability to quickly determine um, whether something or someone's beliefs or behaviors are from from God or from Satan. By the way, there's only two sources. Okay, it's either either from God or it's from Satan. That's it. And, and so, so, so discernment is the ability to cut through all that. Somebody comes to you with a story and you say, "Is this of God? Is this not of God?" Right. Is this of God or is this of Satan? Like, like, like literally. And, and so whether that's a conversation, whether that's a belief, it, it, it's a behavior. And, and this, is, this is huge. This is what John talks about when he says we should test the spirits. This is what I mentioned to you like guys last week. You know, we talked about the fact we, you know, I just saw some riding on their bike last week. And, and, you know, Mormons are attacking Elgin now. And, and, and we're knocking on doors and, and, uh, and having conversations. And what they're going to say to you is, listen, we understand that we come to you. With, with, with additional sources other than the Bible, because they're not, they're not illiterate. They know that we have a Bible. And they're going to say, but here's what we're going to ask. Remember, they believe in, in, in words of knowledge. Uh, the, the, their, their founder, Joseph Smith, received words of knowledge that were directly from God. Um, and, and remember, and, and they think because he's spoken them, now they have equal measure unto God, which that's not the case. Scripture, our canon is closed. God has spoken. And, and uh, anyway, but, uh, but so, so that's not how words of knowledge work. Words of knowledge always have to be congruent with, with Scripture. And so uh, when they come to you and they knock on your door and they say things like, well, if you'll just pray about what we say, and, and, and as long as you don't feel like badly against it, then you're, you should be open to it and just accept it. And once you pray that acceptance, then, then you'll start to learn that these things are true. Saying open yourself up to the enemy and then you'll know that these things are are, are, are true is basically what they're saying. And, and, and so I just jotted down a, a, a few. I was just, you know, thinking this morning to myself that, you know, they, of course, they, they believe, by the way. And this is what I would say to them with a discerning spirit. Wait a second. Hold on. Don't you believe that God the Father had a father? Because we believe that God's eternal and he's always existed. But, but you believe that he was created and he actually had a father, right? Don't you believe that Jesus was a man that became God and I too can become God? Isn't that what you believe? Oh, that is what you believe. Don't you baptize people in the name of other dead people? Isn't that what you do? Because that's not in here in the word of God. I'm pretty, I'm pretty, I just, I'm just discerning, brother. I'm just, I'm just saying because that's, that's, that's not, that's not, that's not scriptural. And go over some others. They say that the Book of Mormon is more accurate than the Bible. 
because the Bible's been translated so many times. Although we can go back and find like, you know, source text for ours and they can't find the plates. But anyway, I would say to you that there's probably not another gift that we need more in our world today than this gift in the church. And the reason why is because we live in a world that is full of false prophets. And here's the problem with our enemy. And we do have an enemy and his name is Satan. And the Bible says that he is a wolf in sheep's clothing. And here's the problem. These people don't come to you flying out of left field. They don't come to you and say, hey, a flying saucer landed and told me what heaven's really like. Like, that's not where they come from. They come to you literally wrapped in sheep's clothing saying, oh, we, we believe in Jesus. We, we believe in Jesus. In fact, we even believe in the Bible. We just have a few other extra books, you know. And, and so they're wrapping themselves up in the things of God. And then they're coming to you with things that are absolutely false and absolutely heretical. But they're dressing themselves up. And the reason they're doing that is because their father is the father of lies. And he's told lies since the very beginning. That's what he does. And our world is full of it. And friends, the only thing that you can do to stave that off is have a sense of discernment. And listen, if you're not discerning, brother, you better get a brother or sister in Jesus that is and keep them close. And keep them close because you need it today. So how do I know if I have this gift? All right, here we go. Four things. Number one, you feel a deep need to protect the truth of God's word by exposing that which is wrong. Okay? That's a deep desire of yours. That God's word would be God's word. That you would stand there and go, wait a second, you can't add that. The Bible says don't add to or take away from, right? You can't, you can't just tell people what you think about it. You've got to tell people what it means. How it applies to them. Number two. You make swift judgments about people. And I'm not talking about being judgmental. You make swift judgments about people or, or, or things that are said um, that others don't pick up on. And more often than not, you're correct. You ever had that feeling? You people that have a spirit of discernment, you know, it. the rest of us are like, dope do do And we walk around life and we're like, oh, no, that person's a pretty good person. And you're the guy that goes, Mm-mm, something doesn't sit right about me. That may have been your grandmother in your life, right? That person's like, nah, there's something, there's something off there, there's something off their rocker right there. There's something wrong with that person. Three months later, they're in jail and committed fraud and, you know, stole all your money or whatever. But, but you didn't catch it. You're like, oh, they're so nice. Yeah, they're stealing from you. Of course they're nice. Uh, so if, if you, if you pick up on that stuff, you might have the gift of discernment. Number three, uh, if, if you, you understand scripture and you're sensitive to the Holy Spirit's leading, uh, you can't have the gift of discernment without being sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Uh, they work hand in hand. The, the person with a great gift of discernment is the one that literally, they, when they feel the tug of the Holy Spirit saying, wait, they, they're sensitive to it. The rest of us blow through that. Holy Spirit throws up warning signs for all of us. But typically, if we don't have the gift of discernment, we just blow through all those stop signs and we ignore them. But this person's sensitive to the Spirit. And finally, uh, they can easily spot or uncover false teaching. Okay, person with with a gift of discernment can 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 turn on the television or the radio and be like, ah, that's that. Uh, no, that's not that's not accurate. And they can usually go show you like, here's what the Bible says. That person said this. And they can usually point that out pretty quick. Okay, last one for the day. Last one for the day. Exhortation. You can also write encouragement if you can't spell exhortation. Although it's on the screen. Uh, Romans 12, 6 through 8. We have different gifts uh, according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. Uh, if it's teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, 
Let him encourage. Um, I didn't give you biblical examples of discernment, did I? Okay, here, let me give you three to fill in the blanks real quick, and I'll go back to this. Uh, Jesus, he's on everyone. I told you that, right? Saw clearly the work of Satan. He knew the Pharisees' hearts. Uh, John, uh, John, John 1, uh, or 1 John uh, 4, 1, says, test the spirits. And then, and then Peter, you remember the story of Ananias and Sapphira? Right? They're like, hey, hey, Peter, guess what? We sold our land. We're bringing all the money to the church, just like Barnabas. Are we going to get a plaque? Are you going to put our name in a wall? Will you name the new building after us? He says, no, but the guys whose footsteps you hear will carry out your dead body. You've lied to the Holy Spirit. Boom. Okay? Gift of discernment. Okay, those three. That was joyful, wasn't it? All right. Okay. Back on. Here we go. Exhortation. Now let me encourage you, now that I've scared you to death. Like, I lied in church just today. Um, it's okay. You're going to be okay. Don't do it again, just in case. <clears throat> Hear that, children? Uh, all right, encouragement defined. Uh, the word encourage means to, to, uh, to exhort, to, to call to one side. Uh, and that's my favorite version of it. And that's really what it is. Guys, encouragement is, is primarily a one-on-one gift. Encouragement is a gift where, where you, when you have the gift of it, you call somebody to your side and you're like, hey, Rodney, come here. Dude, I just want to tell you, I think you're doing an awesome job with the girls. You know, I mean, I see it. I know it's hard, but, but man, you just, man, that tender heart, you try to be all rough. And I know they got you wrapped around your pinky. That's awesome, man. Way to be a good dad, right? And you just, I like, I, like, I know they're going to braid your hair and I know the makeup when nobody else is looking. Dude, I love that about you, right? You just, and it's just, but it's, it's a private kind of call to one side. I can do that because they just joined the church. So, uh, just saying. I wouldn't have done it last week. I was waiting. I was waiting. So, uh, so, so let's define it. The spiritual gift of encouragement is the ability to motivate. It's the ability to encourage. And it's the ability to console. And, and that's important because the other side of that is, guys, let's face it. A lot of times people are depressed and something has happened, right? And so the encourager has to like go along somebody that's hurting or somebody that's fallen, for goodness sake. Because that never happens to a Christian, right? And they have to actually go along somebody that's fallen and go, Hey, bud, man, it's okay. Come on, get up. Get up, this is a long race, dude. This isn't the end of it. God is going to bring about to completion in you the work that he started. All right, come on, let's get up. I'll run with you. Let's go. Let's follow Jesus. Okay, and that's what an encourager is about. And the whole goal is maturity in that other person's faith. Maturity in that person's walk with Jesus, okay? And, and that's what they're going to be about. Some, some people that have that gift. Um, of course, Jesus, a uh, great encourager. Uh, Jesus even encouraged us to love our enemies, I mean, yeah, I mean, you can think about that as the, the disciples are like, oh, these Samaritans. And, and Jesus is like, no, I'm telling you, you've got to love them. You can't call down fire from heaven upon their heads. That's not OK. You need to love them. And Jesus was always encouraging, even when he spoke the truth. Barnabas, it, that's the son of encouragement, by the way. That's what his name means, was a great encourager. He encouraged Paul on several occasions. Uh, Paul and Silas were also great uh, encouragers. Um, so how do you know that you have this gift? Now, this is where I tell you. Remember, you kind of got to knock all these out of the park. Some of you are going to be disqualified. Some of you think you're an encourager, and you're going to hear one of these, and you're going to, oh, wait a second, never mind. All right, so signs that you may have to get. Uh, number one, people seek you out for advice and encouragement. Um, okay, and you say, what do you, what do you mean? If people come to you with their problems... They're not just coming to you because you're smart. Typically, they come to you because they feel better after they're with you. They come to you and you're like, oh, I'm just having such a hard time. And then you, you call them along your side and you say, oh, come here, sweetie. It's okay. You know what? Man, we all have those moments. But I'm going to tell you, you're going to get through this and God's going to get you through this. And I love you and we love you. And there are people around you that support you. Now, come on. 
Come on, let's let's look for the blessings in this. Let's see how God is growing us, right? That's how they encourage you. They just come alongside you. And so if people seek you out, you might have that gift. Second, um, if you enjoy helping people through difficult times, if that gets your blood pumping, you're probably an encourager. Now listen, if you don't like difficult people and difficult situations, then you're not an encourager. Because guess what? Life is hard and people are dirty and difficult. Welcome. Welcome to to the dirty, difficult church. That's who we are, okay? All right? I mean, life is tough, isn't it? Like, it's not, don't get all cleaned up and you don't have to be matchy-matchy. I saw you, Caleb, out of the corner of my eye. You're not matching today. I'm like, woohoo! Caleb's usually matching his wife or somebody or or, or something. And, And you know what? You don't have to all have matching outfits to be here, I promise. And it's okay if you didn't shave. And if you've got on a brown shoe and a black shoe, hallelujah, your morning was probably like mine, right? I don't even know if my kids have underwear on. I don't know about you, right? And if they do, who knows if it's clean? I mean, just sometimes that's life, right? And that's what we do here. And we come and we just do life. And if, if you're not into difficult circumstances and difficult people, then you can't be an encourager because life is hard. But God is good. Number three. <laughs> Some of you are out. <laughs> Third sign, you are patient with people. If you're going to be a real encourager, you have to be patient. Because I want to be honest with you, the people that need encouragement, brother, dude, they are... Listen, maybe you're one of those people that needs encouragement. But some of the people that need encouragement the most are some of the most needy people you'll ever meet. And I say that with love. and Because and it, it's like this, you go to encourage somebody and somebody's falling down and you're going to put your arm around me and say, Oh, listen, brother, listen, sister, it's okay. Get back up, man. God loves you. God has a plan for this. And you come on, get up. And they're going to say, Oh, but, but my toe hurts. And I'm like, Well, I understand that your toe Work, but you can put all your weight on your heel, you know. Oh, but but my heel, if I do that, then I'm going to put all my weight on my left side. Well, listen, I'll carry your left side. Let's just walk together. Well, the doctor said that, and, and you're just going to, dude, they will exhaust every bit of everything that you have known to man in you because it's not a natural gift. It's a supernatural gift. You following me? But if you're an encourager, that's what happened. God supernaturally gives you this ability to just keep going. It's okay. Come on. You got this. We can do it. Where the prophet says, suck it up and run. Like, you know what I'm saying? I mean, the prophet's like, listen, do you not read your Bible? Listen, Paul was stoned. He was laying on the ground in the fetal position. He could either die or get up. Okay. You can either die or get up. God loves you. Wonder what my gifts are. All right. God's working on me here. I'm getting more patient. Now, based off those gifts, I asked you the same question I asked you last week. Show of hands, how many of you think one of those four gifts we talked about this morning, and let me please say the same thing I said last week. No T-Rex arms, you know. When I say show of hands, y'all are like, my arms are only this long. Yeah, just stretch them out. It's good for you. Jesus loves it. Um, so uh, how many of you, one of the four gifts we talked about this morning, you have that? That's you. Okay. Awesome. 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 How many of you, that gift is encouragement? I want to put you on speed dial. Anybody, the gift of encouragement? Oh, sweet. Okay. All right. All right. I'll call you people. All right. We got it. We got it. Okay. Two more things. We're done. Two more things. We're done. We got Bible drill. It's coming back up here in a little bit. So two things, what to do with this. Same things I gave you last week. Start praying over these gifts. 
Remember, the way you're supposed to know them, you're just going to know them. So start praying, God, do I have this gift? God, am I a patient person? Just start praying. Go over. you got the list now. Start praying, God, is this me? Is this me? Is this me? The ones that you think are you kind of highlight. If you missed last week, you can go online. You can listen to the sermon. You can actually download every single slide. There were 48 of them last week. Good golly. Uh, and we got through them in like 30 minutes. Praise God. Uh, not today, evidently. I, my watch is broken. So, hey, 12.06, no problem. Uh, uh, number two, keep putting Christ first. Remember, we're doing all this because Jesus deserves it. Uh, personal worship is our greatest priority uh, here. And, 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 and that's, that's, that's it. We want you to worship Jesus. Uh, and, and here's the, your little symbol for it, your sign for it. We're going to keep reminding you all month. Jesus above everything. Okay? Jesus above everything. Our Easter message is about what Jesus says when he says, come follow me. He's saying, I've got to be above everything. 